man. How do we learn to trust and depend on Jesus? We learn through problems, through pain, through situations that we can't fix ourselves. You know, we like to rejoice about the miracle, but nobody wants to be in the situation that requires the miracle. Amen. But if you just trust the Lord, God has never failed. Stand with me, please. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. We look forward to a wonderful time together, believing that God is going to touch people here tonight. We continue our lesson today on back to the basics. I've been teaching about just fundamental principles and things that the child of God should know, understand, such as grace and mercy and and uh, the word of the Lord and prayer. And today I want to I want to talk to us about knowing the will of God. Knowing the will of God. Amen. Second Corinthians four and six. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give light of the knowledge of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Amen. Philippians 3 and 10, Paul said that I may know him. What's that have to do with the will of God? Well, before you can know the will of God, you've got to know God. You can't pray and desire to walk in his will if you don't know him first. Amen. Lord bless you as you're seated. How can we know the will of God? Just to be quite transparent, I was born and raised in a Pentecostal church, and oftentimes this subject is shrouded with such mystery. We make it seem almost impossible to know the will of God. And we pray and pray and pray wanting to do God's will. Let me just go ahead and just clarify something for you. The will of God is not something you find. It's something you live and you do. You will never be able to go to a spot on the earth and say, this right here, I found the will of God. But we approach it like it's some treasure. We approach it like we've got to decode all of these things and get all the clues and find this mysterious will of God. And then we agonize whether or not we're in the will of God or out of the will of God. Am I, am I being true? Am I being truthful? We, I'm relating to people here. The will of God is not something you find. It's something you do. You walk in the will of God. How do I know the will of God? First, I have to know him. 2 Corinthians 4 and 6, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give light of the knowledge of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You've got to realize you cannot know his ways or 
anything about him without the illumination of the Spirit. Why do you think the Old Testament was nothing but rules and rituals? It's because they did not have the Spirit of God to illuminate the things of God. It was, it was ritualism. The Spirit of God did not come. That's what the Bible says, that the Holy Ghost will teach you and it calls the Holy Ghost our schoolmaster, is because it's only by the illumination of the Spirit of God in our life that we can know God and know his ways. So first, we've got to know who God is. Secondly, we have to know his plan. Luke 19 and 10, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's the plan of God, is salvation. 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 through 7. Paul says, Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more. In other words, as we have taught you, so do, and even more than that. For ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification that ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his will in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any manner, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness." Amen. So it's the will of God that we uh, reserve ourselves unto sanctification. So it's also God's will that you present your bodies. The Bible says, Romans 12, 1 through 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. When you come to the Lord, God fills you with his spirit, and that light begins to shine in the darkness of what was once your heart. You begin to view God and the things of God from a different perspective. And you begin to walk in a way that should want to please God and to know God in a greater way. Watch this. The rate at which you're able to comprehend truth and your ability to bring your lifestyle into harmony with his spirit will depend a great deal of your understanding of how to know the will of God. If you take a classroom setting, kindergarten, first, second, all the way to eighth grade, it doesn't matter. Every person in that class comprehends and processes information at a different rate. They mature differently, giving them the same information, but they process it differently. So their growth is at different rates. Here's where we make mistakes spiritually, is we expect everybody to process the spiritual word of God at the same rate. Doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. Everybody processes the word and then the spirit working with the word differently. So why, 
One person may be able to walk in the will of God with ease and hear the word of the Lord and discern the spirit of God. It may be much harder for this person over here. It's like the, the testing. You can take someone who makes straight A's in class and then they have these big diagnostic tests once a year to assess where they're at. Some people don't test well. They can make really good grades. But if you look at the test, it looks like they don't know anything. People test differently. I, my brother and I, I only took the ACT one time. That was it. Some of these people, they take it like every year for fun or twice a year. I'm like, why would you even do that? I took it once because my mom made me. I didn't go to college because I thought God would come back before four years was up. So I threw it, the application in the trash. Missed that one. <laughs> but I don't do good in them big tests because I overanalyze my answer. And I erase and do something different. And here I was. I mean, I took this seriously because my mom stressed. I, we paid money for this test and all this kind of stuff. Well, my brother took the test with me. And he was so tired because he stayed up late the night before. He just made designs with the bubbles, filling them all in, and then he put his head down and sleep. And he only scored three points less than I did on the ACT. And he didn't even read none of the questions. He just shaded in a bunch of bubbles. Everybody is different. Everybody tests different. So it is in the spirit. Everybody matures at a different spiritual rate. What may be so easy for some is not so easy for everybody. Where you're weak, somebody else may be stronger. And where they're strong, it might be your weak point. So we don't, we don't compare ourselves against anybody and say, why? How could they miss the will of God? How could, I mean, it was so obvious. Well, it may not have been as obvious for them as it was for you. We must first understand that the entire purpose of Jesus coming as a man was that men might get to know him greater. And then when you get to know him, you spread his love to everybody else. Amen. Bible says in Isaiah 30, 21, And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way. Walk ye in it. When you turn to the right hand, and when you turn to the left, I fully believe, fully, 100%, believe if a person wants to walk in the will of God, you can know what that will is for your life. Fully believe that. Now, will it happen like you want it to happen? Probably not. Will God speak as you want him to speak? Probably not. But can his will be made known to you? Absolutely. It can. And I'm going to talk about that today. We must first understand that we have to accept his will regardless of what it is for our life. What the will of God is for you won't be what it is for me. Joseph had to accept that the will of God included betrayal. It included being thrown into a pit. It, it included being put in jail. It included all that. But he had to accept the will of God. 
See, we've got this ideology that thinks that the will of God always has to be good for us. That's wrong. In fact, if you read Hebrews chapter 11, you'll find a lot of people in that book that didn't have funsies all the time in the will of God. It wasn't always pleasant, but they were in the will of God. God's not called to keep us happy. God wants you saved. You realize that your emotions, they will change with the ebb and flow of life, but if you can make it to heaven, it's eternal happiness and peace in the Lord. I'd rather be in the will of God and have some rough days than be out of the will of God and pursuing temporal happiness in the world. Amen. So you've got to realize that his ways are not our ways. Romans 11.33 says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Secondly, you've got to understand that the flesh cannot discern the will of God. Your flesh, your carnal nature is on opposite radio waves, if I can use that term, of the Spirit of God. You cannot pick up what God's trying to tell you in the flesh. It's a spiritual matter. That's why I worry when people make lasting and impactful decisions and they haven't prayed, they haven't fasted, they haven't sought God. They're trying to navigate the will of God in the flesh and you'll always miss it. The will of God is a spiritual issue. It's a spiritual matter. When you begin to pray, the Spirit knows the mind of God. This is how it works. When you begin to pray, you begin to seek the Lord. You're bringing all of your thoughts, you're bringing your flesh under subjection to the Spirit of God. And God will begin to change your thoughts and bring them in line with his thoughts. may not happen while you're praying may happen when you get up and you start going about your day and your thoughts start changing and you start thinking about something different. That's you bringing your thoughts into subjection to the will of God, the Spirit of God. And God changing your thoughts is just as much him talking to you as an audible voice. Changing your thoughts. You have to be sensitive to the Spirit of the Lord. Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Verse 9, but as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered in the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Verse 10, but God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Verse 14, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him, neither can, be, can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Verse 16, for who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. This is what's so different about the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament, they did not have the mind of Christ. They could not have the mind of Christ. Their salvation hinged upon sacrificial animals. They didn't go to prayer and talk to God like we talk to God. They were under the law. It was restrictive. We have access to the mind of God through prayer. So let's talk about the will of God. 
First off, I want to talk about what the will of God is not. Okay? The will of God is not whatever is convenient. The path of least resistance doesn't indicate that you're walking in the right direction. In fact, generally, you'll be met with some form of opposition while you're trying to move in the perfect will of God. Secondly, the will of God is not whatever makes you happy. That's not the will of God all the time. Because it doesn't matter where you're at and what you're doing, you can have the joy of the Lord, regardless of whatever may happen in life. In fact, if you read 1 Peter 3.14, but if and ye but and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. How about that verse? Here's another one. For James 5 and 11, Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. So here's two verses talking about you should be happy when you're suffering and when you're enduring. That goes against everything that the world talks about. But that's what Scripture says. The happiest man is the person that's enduring and suffering. I know one man who was torn between two churches. Two churches wanted him to be their pastor. You know what he said? When he was asked which one he would go to by somebody, a friend of mine, he said, whichever one offers me more money. Now, how's that for trying to discern the will of God? That's about as carnal, and that pastorate is going to be short-lived because that's all for the wrong reasons. That was all about selfishness, what makes me happy, what pleases the flesh, and that's not pleasing to the Lord. That's not pleasing to the Lord. Amen. What is the will of God? Well, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, In everything give thanks... For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It's always the will of God for you to give thanks. Always. That's scripture. That's a word from the Lord. I give, if someone says, I want to know what the will of God is, I'll always say, well, the first thing is be thankful. That's the will of God. Be thankful for where you're at, what you're in. If it's bad, thank God that he trusts you enough to go through it. If it's good, thank God that he brought you through the bad times and gave you prosperity. But you can always be thankful. It is always the will of God for you to be thankful. How do I walk? I have, I have prayed this prayer so many times. How do I walk in the will of God? I, have, I, can't, I don't have time to give you my whole story. I remember... One of the best ways to gauge, I'm fixing to tell you a story. One of the best ways to gauge the will of God is the peace test. Do I have peace in my spirit about this? I remember I was feeling the call of God to evangelize, and I went and preached at one particular church two Wednesday nights in a row. I preached their youth service. And on that third or on that second, um, on that second week, the pastor it was it was a rather large church, probably ran 400, 450 people. He said, "I want to take you out to lunch." And I said, "Okay." 
I, oh, if they should take you to lunch, it didn't matter what they want to talk about. I was going to lunch. And so we went to lunch. He said, I want you to come be my youth pastor. Now, I've only preached two services as a full-time evangelist. And I thought to myself, this is the shortest full-time evangelist career probably ever, two services. I said, this is on a Friday. I said, you know what? I'd like to pray about it, and I'll call you on Monday. So he, I mean, he, he painted a big picture for me, told me all this stuff, and, and it was a big step for me to step out by faith to evangelize because you go from having security to no security. And a wife, she likes security, but my wife was willing to do whatever the Lord wanted us to do. Well, I just had an uneasy feeling about it all weekend long. I just, just gnawing away at me. Something didn't feel right. It's one of those things you just couldn't put your finger on. You just didn't have a piece about it. So on Monday, I'll never forget where I was at. I was parked in the church parking lot in Westlake, and I called him and I told him, I said, Brother, I appreciate the offer, but it's not for me. It's going to be for somebody. It's going to be a great opportunity, but it's not for me. I feel like I'm, I'm supposed to evangelize. And he kind of acted taken back by it and thanked me and hung up, and I'm sitting there. And all of a sudden, I just I start beating myself up. I can't believe I did that. I missed the will of God. And I, I, all these things, I'm just beating myself up. I was so torn and confused. And my phone rang. And it was a lady in the church who knew nothing about anything. She said, Brother Tyler, I was just sitting here praying and I felt like the spirit of confusion was coming upon you. And the Lord told me to call you and tell you that you're supposed to evangelize and that he was going to be using you on the field. And I, I just began, the Holy Ghost began to move upon me because God has a way of confirming his will in your life if you'll be sensitive to it. That peace, that uneasiness that I was feeling was God directed me where I needed to go. What happens is when you start violating that feeling, it'll get weaker and weaker and weaker. Pretty soon it's not, there's no checks in your spirit. There's times people have asked me since I've been here, I want you to pray about something with me. And as soon as they said it, I had that feeling come over me. But I prayed about it. Because maybe I missed something. And I'll tell them, hey, you know, I just don't feel good about it. Then I've had other people say something to me, and I had just no feeling at all other than good feeling, peaceful feeling. So you, you need to be mindful of whether or not you have a peace about it. And let me say this. If you have to compromise your integrity to pursue this opportunity, it's not of the Lord. Because God would never ask you to compromise what the Word of God is trying to put in you. There's some people, oh, brother, I've got this great opportunity. Now, I'm not going to be able to go to prayer meeting or make church or do none of this stuff, but, but it's a good opportunity. I will probably say, 
That's not the best opportunity if it's tearing down your spiritual walk with God. There's not enough money to replace your spiritual walk with God. Amen. So seven ways I want to give you, and I've got about 20 minutes. I want to talk about seven different ways that God leads us as we try to navigate his will. The first way that God will, or one of the first ways, is Scripture. The Bible is not just a starting point. It's the final authority when it comes to all matters of faith and doctrine. All matters. This is why the, David, why the writer said in Psalm 119, 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path because it gives me direction. It shows me. Now, if I hold a lamp down here, it's not going to show me what's over there, but it's going to show me where my next step should be. That's what the word of God does. It doesn't show you what's laying down the road a year from now but it provides enough light to navigate where you are in life for that season that you're in. So you have to, you have to understand God uses his word. A Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who's not. If you, if you know how to use the word. Now, if you've got a Bible that, that has never been touched, there's usually an indicator that Something's not right in your life. The goal is not getting the, through the Bible. It's getting the Bible through us. That's what I, I've told people before. Don't read to read. Read to grow. You can read and then nothing happens. But when you read to grow, you start letting it plant down and take root in your spirit. If they came and took every Bible out of your house today, how much do you have embedded in you to live for God and to survive? That's the question. This is the source of all direction is the word of God. There's been times since I've been here, I answered a situation in a matter this way, and I went to prayer on it. And I said, now, Lord, I'm human. I'm subject to interpreting the scriptures wrong. I mean, I called all kind of people, and everybody told me a different answer. And I said, Lord, I've got to know. I've got to know beyond the shadow of a doubt this is what your word says. And I went to prayer. I'm talking about weeks and months later. Went to prayer, and boom, God showed me a scripture in his word that I never, I read it, but I never saw it. And it answered my question that I had. Scripture. You want to know how to navigate the will of God, you get in the word of God. A second way that God helps us to navigate his will is through desire. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. This is why the scripture says in Psalm 37 and 4, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. David had a desire to build God a temple, and God granted him that desire through his son Solomon. Even though too much blood had went through David's hands because of war, God said, I still will honor the desire of your heart 
and the will of God was done through his son, the temple was built. If, if one day you have a desire to do something, it might be that God put that desire in you to use it one day for his kingdom. Because you can make more money, now this is a secular deal, you can make more money with desire than you can a degree. Just because someone has a piece of paper doesn't mean that they can make a lot of money. There's people that don't have any degrees, but they had desire, and their desire produced more fruit than a piece of paper did. And so there's people, I could take you right now to a church, that they have one of the most dynamic food pantry programs. I mean, they have a full commercial kitchen. They serve, they serve countless of hundreds of thousands of people in another state. But you know where it started? It started with people in the church that had a desire. I want to reach people with a food pantry. I could come up to most probably anybody in here and say, you know what? I want you to be over a food pantry. And you'd say, okay. And you would do it because I asked you to do it. But your heart's not in it. But if somebody came up to me and say, Pastor, I've got a burden it's been it's been gnawing at me for weeks and months and years. I want to start a food pantry. You know what? Even though I didn't ask them, they'd probably get to do it because their heart's in it. God puts those desires in, and I'm just using food pantry as an analogy, okay? God puts those desires in people's hearts for a reason. And it's it could be to, to be used for his kingdom at a certain time. The fourth way, or rather the third way that God navigates his will is through doors, or what I call signs. We talk about open doors. And uh, signs are subject to interpretation. There's a very fine line between reading them and reading into them. Okay? If you walk on the road and a lottery ticket blows by and lands on your foot, it's not the will of God for you to go buy a lottery ticket. You read into that. It could be that a lottery ticket was blowing through the wind and it happened to land on your foot. But some people think, this happened, it's the will of God. i got to go do this, it's the will of God. I can take you to a church right now. In the 90s, now, the church used to be a UPC preacher, one of the most dynamic men of God, had long revivals, and they were preaching, and while they were preaching, you can research this. I'm not going to tell you the name, but it is verified. It happened. Lightning came from heaven and split the pulpit while the pastor was preaching. Now, me, I would take it as a sign from God to straighten up. They took it as a sign of God for his approval. Now they're not even preaching truth anymore. It happened. It happened. You can, if, if you're not careful, you'll make something out of something that God never intended. There's people that, well, my goodness, this happened. It's the will of God for me to run off and, and X, Y, and Z. No, probably not. Probably you're not reading that sign correctly. See, discernment is the ability to appraise a, super, a situation with supernatural insight. God speaks through our circumstances. 
and what we perceive as detours and delays are often God's way of setting us up for divine appointments. I've shared the story before, and I'm going to share it again. My former pastor who died in 99, there was a family in the church that they were in a, a bad money situation. I mean, they needed money pronto. And, and they came to him and said, well, we want to move, sell our house, and we want to move to another state. Would you pray about it? So he did. The Lord told him, just tell him, be patient, just to be patient. And so they come back and said, well, we're moving. He said, well, the Lord told me to tell you to be patient. Well, they didn't like that. They got mad. They sold their house for like $30,000 just to get some money, and they moved. Six weeks later, the casino came through, and they just happened to need the exact property that those people had, and they bought it for over $100,000 from the new people that just bought it. Six weeks. God didn't say no. He just said, be patient. So you have to be sensitive with situations like that. Dreams. God used dreams many times in the scriptures. And if we're not careful, we dismiss people as being a little crazy if they experience God in a way that we haven't. I know people right now, if I gave them a microphone, you'd think they was a Fruit Loop. But you know what? They've experienced God in a way that I haven't. There's one man, God had to forgive me because I, in a, in a way, years ago, made fun of him. He told me one night, he said, and, and I'm not saying he's right or wrong. I'm saying I don't know because I don't stay up this late at night. He said, hey, brother, angels are prevalent between 2 and 4 a.m. I don't know if that's true because I'm not up between 2 and 4 a.m. Some people may interact with them all night long. I'm not saying they're not, but a lot of people think he's crazy because he talks like that. But it could be that he's had visitations from an angel between two and four. You know, Joseph's brothers thought he was crazy because he had two dreams. If we're not careful, we'll dismiss people as being wacko just because they've had a greater walk and a revelation of God than we've had. You can't do that. God speaks to people through dreams. Some dreams people told me, I knew it was burrito all the way. But other dreams that people have told me, I knew there's something to this. This is God. Now, just because God gives you a dream doesn't mean it's for you to go tell everybody, number one. And number two, the meaning is not always discernible. There's things that I've had dreams I know was from God. I, I know it was from the Lord. I just don't know what it means or when it's going to happen. It's not up to me to go blab it all and tell everybody. There's things that God shows you just to pray about. And also a dream will not contradict his word. Everything about God is about order. He's not going to contradict his word. Amen. Another way, and I'm hurrying, this is number five. God uses people to put us right where we need to be. A prophetic word is strengthening, encouraging, and comforting. 
That doesn't mean it can't be confrontational, but it's always redemptive. In order to get David where he needed to be, God put a Nathan in his life, the prophet, to speak a word that nobody wanted to speak, but it was what redeemed David. God brings people in our life to help navigate us. Whenever I was studying this is when I went and preached for Brother Travis Houston in Bogalusa. And I just got to this point about people. And Brother Houston told me about Wallace Ridge. We had church that weekend. It wasn't no high church. I've never preached there before, and I've never preached there since. It was just average church. And I was driving back on the way home, and I said, God, why? In my mind, I'm talking to the Lord. I said, God, why did you even bring me to Bogalusa? It was just almost like a waste. And the Lord spoke to my spirit and said, the only reason I brought you to Bogalusa was to tell you about Wallace Ridge. And God quickened in my spirit about people. God puts people in our life to, at just the right moment to put us where he needs us to be. You don't trust every word from God that somebody comes up and tells you. There's some people that don't have words from God. They think they do, but they don't. I've met some of them. But it shouldn't make you skeptical of every word. You will feel in your spirit the real thing. You'll feel it. Promptings. Sixth way that God puts us where he wants us. There will be moments when you feel a nudge to do something. A nudge is not a command. It's just a means of encouraging and guiding behavior without mandating or instructing it. Uh, we question whether or not it was good when we don't see any immediate results. Have any, has anybody ever felt like you just needed to go pray with somebody and you went and prayed for them and nothing happened? And then you walk away going, man, I guess I missed it. I thought, I thought they were going to break through and get the Holy Ghost and this was going to be it. Nothing happened. Doesn't mean you missed the will of God. I'd rather do it and nothing happened than not do it and wonder if something would have happened. It's just a nudge. It's just a thought. Go pray with someone. Go tell them you love them. It's just a nudge. God doesn't always reward good deeds on the spot, but they will be rewarded. Remember this. Insomnia is sometimes a sign that God's trying to speak to us. There have been times I've laid in bed and I just laid there. I laid there. Finally, I'm like, okay, maybe God wants to say something. It could be that if you give God opportunity, the reason you can't go to sleep is because God's trying to keep you awake to talk to you about something. Amen. Finally, the seventh way is pain. Nothing gets your attention like pain does. Nothing. God will allow situations and things to come into your life that bring pain if they can get you back on the right course where you're supposed to be. Why do bad things happen to good people? I don't have all the answers. I used to try to think I had to answer every question, and I liberated myself when I realized no man could answer all questions. No man. Not even the greatest preacher who ever lived, except Jesus. But I know this. I've seen people that got away from God. They got away from what was a way that was pleasing to the Lord. And God allowed tragedy to come into their life. 
He allowed circumstances to come in their life. He used those things to pull them back to where they needed to be. I don't understand the ways of God. I can't explain why he allows some things and some don't. Why he answers some prayers and some prayers he doesn't answer. And you can literally worry yourself to death and cause so much stress, but you have to put, put it in the hands of God and let that peace come into your heart. Maybe in your own life, you can stand with me now. Maybe in your own life, you can think of one of these seven ways that God has spoke to you. If you will be sensitive to the Lord, you will be sensitive to the ways of God. You may be here tonight praying about, God, I want to do this, and I want to be in your perfect will. These seven ways that God works and reveals his will to us, I can't, I can't explain the totality of the will of God or how it works. My greatest attempt, I would fail miserably, but I do know God's will will always be done. How and will and when, I can't answer. Israel had to wander 40 years when it wasn't the will of God for them to do so. But you know what? God eventually got them. He gave them one year for every day that they went spying out in the land. 40 days they spied, so they had to wander 40 years. But eventually, they got to where God wanted them to be. The will of God's going to be done. You can do it begrudgingly, or you can do it willingly. Amen. Amen. Let's lift our hands and thank the Lord for his word. Father, 